Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Welcome to our final edition of Great Points Goal Setting uh, for January of 2022. You know, this whole month we've been talking about the idea of having goals for your financial planning for the year. Um, we've broken down some specific items like estate planning and retirement. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, buying a home and really targeting at for individuals maybe looking at their first home. Uh, and maybe having never gone through the process. And I know there's a, a host of resources between first-time homebuyers, services, and seminars, and you know, web searches, but um, buying a home can be a daunting task. Uh, it usually, it tends to be one of your largest assets. And you know, some people you know, kind of say, well, I'm already paying rent, so paying a mortgage isn't that much different. But I thought it'd be helpful to kind of break down you know, three areas that I see clients kind of struggling with and how to set their goal for where they want to buy a home. Um, and then, you know, that may help you kind of figure out your budget and your planning. Um, you know, ultimately what you're trying to avoid is buying either too little of a house that you have to, uh, change sooner than you want to. Um, you know, let's say, so maybe you're, you're planning on having a couple kids, but you buy a smaller home that, uh, and you just kind of grow out of it way too fast. Um, or the flip side, you buy too much house. And you're kind of paying uh, for additional taxes, repairs, maintenance, you know, utilities and things like that. And all the bills are just putting a little bit more pressure on you than you want and making it harder for you to do some of the other things that you may want to do, like travel or, or save for retirement or, you know, put some money aside for college. So let's talk about kind of the three areas that impact, uh, you know, your goal buying, uh, your home buying goal. And then give you some ideas or strategies you might want to, you know, to think about. And when you're discussing with, uh, if you're buying this home by yourself, it's easy just to, you know, talk to yourself. And if you're talking, uh, buying this with somebody else, you can have some dialogue with your significant other uh, so that you make sure you're both on the same page with this significantly large financial transaction. So the first thing you usually have to think about when you're thinking about a home is the down payment. So in order to buy a home, uh, you know, unlike 10, 15 years ago, where you could basically walk in with no money and no credit and buy a house, uh, and now banks require you to have some credit, have some income and have uh, some cash to put down on the home. And they're a little more flexible with first time home buyers. And, you know, there's some programs out there that may allow you to buy a home with as little as three or 5% down. Uh, you know, some, the kind of the general rule is, you know, 20% down. And, you know, there's a, a logic behind that because with 20% down, uh, the bank is pretty confident that even if you can't pay your mortgage and they have to take the house, they could sell it without losing money. So they'd be able to at least get 80% of the value of the home in a foreclosure sale. So that if you give them 20% down, they'll give you a loan because worst case, you don't pay them and they get the house and they break even. Um, the, and there's something called uh, PMI or personal mortgage insurance uh, that you might have to pay if you borrow more than 20% of the mortgage. So when you think about the down payment, um, now I'm in the Boston area and, you know, first time homes right now, you know, anything under four or $500,000 is hard to keep on the market. So if you're thinking about a half a million dollar first time home, and maybe you're buying a condo, they might be able to be a little bit lower. But on a half a million dollar home, that's a $100,000 that you would have to come to the table with at closing 
to be in a 20% down. And for some people, maybe that's not hard to say, maybe they've already done it, or maybe they've got a generous family member that's going to help them with a gift. And it's, you know, it's, it's not that bad. Uh, but for a lot of people saving $100,000 before they can even look and start to think about shopping for a home is tricky. Because if you say, well, we're going to save that $100,000 over the next three to five years, so we're ready to buy a home. Well, that half million dollar home may be worth six or $700,000 by that time. So now you have to come up with 120,000 and you find yourself constantly chasing this goal. Um, so, uh, you, so if you're thinking about, well, we want to get into a home, we need to have some money down. How much do we need to have? You want to be aware of these programs that maybe allow you to put down a little bit less. So maybe you can put down 5% or 10% to get into the home. Now, when doing this, you know that your monthly payments might be a little bit higher, but um, the, the benefit of starting to build equity in the home and the ability to not have to worry about finding a new apartment when your lease comes up, uh, you know, so all those things will maybe make it worthwhile for you to pay some of those additional fees. Um, so you have to kind of weigh your how much, you know, how urgent is the goal and how much can you afford to save and you know, if you can, if you can't get to the full twenty percent down, putting a little bit less down may may not be the worst thing, especially if you're planning on staying in the home for a significant time frame. Because the the longer you're in the home, the less penalizing some of those costs are up front. So if you hold the house for twenty years, you get to divide some of those you know fees you paid in the beginning over a longer period of time when you're calculating your investment return. So. When you're thinking about a down payment, the other thing is sometimes people have saved more than they need. So maybe they have done uh, you know, well with savings, or maybe they had some stock that they got to sell, or maybe they did get a gift from family members, and they actually have enough to put down 30 or 40 or 50%. So if you actually have more than you need to hit the 20% number, um, putting a, more down may adjust your interest rate a little bit, um, but you want to think about, is it better to put down 20% and have a slightly higher mortgage payment, or is it better to put down 30% and have a slightly lower mortgage payment? <clears throat> so if you're faced with setting your goal of either putting down 20% or maybe putting down 30% with the cash that you have available, a lot of it is uh, how important is the liquidity to you? So if you put down 30%, you're going to have possibly a smaller mortgage payment and maybe a slightly lower interest rate, depending on the program you're looking at. Um, but you don't now you don't have that cash that you just put into the house. So let's say it's a difference of $25,000 is the difference between 10% to 20% down and 30% down. So you have, a, you have an extra $50 or $100 a month lower payment, but now you don't have $25,000 in the bank in, in case something comes up, you know, furnishings, things that you need to do to the house or improvements, repairs. So um, with interest rates being relatively low, and if you look at the, the long-term scope of interest rates, um, sometimes it might be better off to, you know, keep a little bit more cash uh, as opposed to putting down the 30 or 40%. So that way you have some flexibility. If you need to do repairs or something comes up, you've got some additional liquidity. Um, and you can always take that extra money and pay down the principal of the mortgage later. And if you do that, you might be able to ask the, um, you know, the mortgage company to just reset or recalculate your payment. So you can pay a little extra in and then lower your monthly payments. Um, not every bank or mortgage will do that, but you know, there are ways to possibly just recalculate if you do make a chunk payment into the, into the, into the down payment or into the mortgage. So the other way I, some people will set their, their goal for home buying is um, you know, how much can we afford on a monthly basis? So they look at you know, what they're paying in rent, 
and you know if they're maybe two individuals that are buying a house together they may have two rental payments and they're coming down to one mortgage payment so they say well if i'm paying three thousand dollars a month in rent i could probably afford a three thousand dollar a month mortgage um which you know logically is the same amount of money going out so you know probably is pretty close but when you when you're buying a home uh there's a lot of things that come out up on a monthly basis that aren't just the mortgage payments. Uh, you have your utilities, you have real estate taxes, you have homeowners insurance, you ultimately will probably want to do some landscaping. And you know, you tend to spend a little bit more money at home goods decorating your own home than when it's a, a rental or an apartment that you're you're there for a temporary period of time. So each year, and then you also have to think about maintaining the home because if you don't you know, do things to the house on a regular basis, the, the value of the home can decline. So you might have to think about another, you know, one to 3% of the value of the home that you're going to have to invest into it every single year. You know, some years it might be painting, some years it might be a heating system, some years it might be a dishwasher, you know, they all vary, but um, ultimately you have to have a, some additional cash flow that you wouldn't have to put in if you were renting an apartment. So you kind of look at your budget and say, well, if we're spending $3,000 a month on rent, we might be able to afford a three thousand dollar mortgage if we have some extra cash flow that we aren't we are saving or we're going to take one less trip a year, so that's going to help us. Um, or you might have to have a slightly lower mortgage payment, knowing that you you need to build up some savings for these these what ifs or uh, other things. But this is also the area I see clients make the, the mistake or or at least concerned about making the mistake of either buying too much or too little house. So if you are uh, you know let's say you and your significant other, you're making a combined $100,000 a year and you're looking at a mortgage and it's $2,600 a month for the mortgage taxes and everything. And you look and say, well, that, that might be a little bit tight. Um, you know, we've got student loans, we've got car payments, we still want to travel, still want to do some things. So that might be a, a, a little bit of a stretch for us. So why don't we look at a little smaller house? Um, and so you buy a smaller house that has a little bit more manageable payment, but two or three years into it, now your jobs, you've gotten a few pay raises and you know, maybe you paid off one of your student loans. And all of a sudden you're looking at your monthly payment and you're like, oh man, we, we could have afforded more. So now you start thinking about maybe selling that house and buying another house, um, you know, a slightly bigger house. And the reason I, you want to be you know, really understanding your budget is that cost of flipping that house and buying the next one, um, there's some lost dollars in there between, you know, transaction costs and moving companies and just all the stuff that comes along with getting into a home, let alone time, stress, anxiety. So if you're thinking about your budget and you think you can afford X, you want to look out three to five years down the road and say, are we likely to be making the same, you know, salary with, you know, 3% pay raises? So, you know, if you're a public school teacher, you can probably predict, you know, with union rates, I'm not going to get a $50,000 pay raise. I'm going to get a kind of a steady bump, but I'm, it's going to be pretty consistent versus somebody who might be in sales where maybe, or in leadership where they're going to get a promotion. And with that promotion, you get a big jump in salary or, or big earnings growth. So um, you want to be looking at your cash flow out a couple of years. And on the flip side, you also um, want to make sure you don't buy too much house. So if you are in a highly compensated position or you and both you and your spouse or significant other are in the workforce making good money, you look and say, oh, geez, you know, 3,000, 4,000 a month, we can afford that. So we can buy this nice bigger house. Um, 
but then one of you has a job change or has a loss of job, or you decide to have a child and one of you is out of the workforce for a little bit longer than you anticipated, um, or there's bonus cycles and stock rewards aren't as, 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 as high as you thought they were. Um, now, all of a sudden, you're in the house and you can still make your monthly payments, but now maybe you're not paying off the full credit card balance every month, or you know, you're run, having a, the cars running a little bit uh, uh, behind in payments and or you're just you're not putting money away for your savings as much as you thought. So when you look at your cash flow, same idea on the on the upside, you want to be uh, looking out three to five years and say, okay, well, if something were to go wrong, if there was a bump in the road, could we still afford this house and without having to make huge sacrifices on all of our other financial goals or obligations? So the mortgage payment is a big one and that's the month to month and um, you know understanding what your payments are going to be both today and in the future. Um, and you know, like I said, the nice thing about a mortgage is the payment tends to stay the same as long as you don't refinance. Um, so hopefully your income goes up each year and you, you, you feel like you're paying less uh, to, to keep the house. Um, the last thing you really wanna be thinking about from a goal standpoint is your duration or how long you're gonna be in that house. You know, cause I, I see a lot of people say, I got, I'm looking to buy a house, I gotta buy a house. And, you know, the first camp question is why? Why do you need to buy a house? So, well, my parents are telling me I really need to start building equity. I need to buy a house. So, okay, well, uh, how long do you want to stay in that house? So, well, I don't know. I might be here for three years. I might be here for 25 years. I really don't know. Um, and, you know, so people think, well, if you buy a house, it always makes money. So I can always sell the house, which is almost true. Real estate tends to be a, one asset class that usually goes up steadily. But there are peaks and then there are some valleys. So if we look at what's happening right now in the housing market, um, you know, due to you know, COVID demands and things, that, you know, there's just a lot of demand and prices are soaring for homes. So if you're looking at you know, some of these areas where you've seen 50, 75% growth in home values, home values typically grow at like three to 5% a year. So if they've grown by 50% a year for three years, uh, mathematically, it would tell you there's got to be a year or two where they go backwards, where they just come back to reality. So if you're thinking about, well, I'm going to buy a house now, worst case in three years, I'll sell the house, I'll buy the next house. Well, if you pay $400,000 for a house and three years from now, you can only sell it for $390,000 or $400,000, um, you might not have enough money in your mortgage or down payment or equity to go buy the next place. So, you know, if you're buying a house with the idea of say, oh, I can always sell it in a couple of years, um, you, you, that may not be the case in, in the short term. You know, over a 10 year period, you know, real estate tends to, you know, grow or hold its value. But in any one to three year period, there could be large swings. So, um, so in same idea, you hold the house for three years and maybe you bought it for 400 and sold it for 400. And you think, well, at least I broke even, uh, but you had a lot of expenses to keep the house at that $400,000 level. So in addition to transaction costs and you know, moving and home goods bills and all those things. So you know, if you look at and say, well, I'm only going to be there for three years and I'm, or I'm not 100% certain where I want to be, um, maybe I should just keep renting for another year or two. Um, and even though I'm paying maybe a higher rent than I would in a mortgage payment, I'm also avoiding all of those potential pitfalls of what if I buy the wrong house or I'm in the wrong spot. Um, but if you're thinking about you know where you want to be for anywhere from five to ten, really ten years and beyond, you know thinking about buying a home versus renting is usually a good strategy because you know over ten years you're going to build up some equity in the home. 
Uh, a mortgage is a great forced saving strategy. So, you know, your your rent, part of your mortgage payment is going to paying down the principal. And that principal is uh, gains or equity in that home. So eventually when you do sell the home, you'll get those dollars back. So, um, you know, uh, so you just want to be wary of how long you're going to be and the risk of uh, what happens if the housing market declines. Because, you know, I saw clients go through this in 2008 and 2009. They bought the house in 2006 and seven. You know, if everything goes up, real estate, you never lose money. And then all of a sudden there was there was a there was a bubble and condos that were selling for three hundred thousand. Now we're only worth two hundred thousand. So clients who wanted to move or even had to move because they you know had work or whatever, um, they owed the bank more than the house was worth. So in order for them to move, they had to bring a check to the bank to pay off the balance of their home. Um, and then that didn't give them any money or any equity to apply towards the next home. So, um, you know, when markets are hot, uh, you want to make sure you're buying a house for the right reasons, not just assuming everything, you know, if the housing market goes up 30% this year, it probably doesn't keep going up at 30%. So it's not like you get a guaranteed return on this money. So now you just want to be aware of all the things that are out there when it comes to setting your goal for your home. Um, and it, but it can be one of the most exciting things and, you know, having your own property and investing in some sweat equity and putting some time into making it your own is, is unique and it's great. Uh, you just want to make sure that you, you know, have a good goal of, you know, what, what do we want to target for our down payment and how much do we need to save to get there? Let's be smart about our mortgage payment, both today and into the future and make sure we're getting the right house for us. Um, and then, you know, make sure we're, we're planning on sticking around for at least five years to make this a, a, a modest or reasonable investment. Um, so hopefully this gives you some, you know, some pointers if you're thinking about jumping into the home buying market. Uh, and, you know, if you or a friend or, or maybe one of your children is thinking about it, you know, feel free to share this episode. Um, because when it comes to buying a house, there's not a right house or a right strategy for everyone, but there, there is a right strategy for you. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, on Great Points with Matt Schroeder.